I, I would say that I'm happy to be here at White Oak Baptist Church, but that would be superfluous. Because at my age, I'm happy to be anywhere in the world, okay? <laughs> Uh, but but it is a great joy uh, to be here and and to hear and and to see what uh, uh, God is doing uh, in in your midst. And uh, thank you for letting me come, Pastor. Thank you for the invitation. I I, I thank Brother Navarrete to just put this off on you, okay? <laughs> but but whatever happened, uh, it's a joy to be here. I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two and. If you are able and desire, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And if you're not able, don't, don't worry about it, okay? But Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. By the way, it didn't say we were in bad shape. It said we were dead. Dead, okay? And, and there's no... Uh, Comparison to dead. It's not dead, dead, or dead. Okay? Uh, we were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, that's a bad picture. Yeah. Right. But then you have a common appearance of a little phrase, but God. Amen. And that makes all the difference in the world. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What a great passage, amen. amen. For by grace are you saved through faith. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for the, the presentation of autumn that we've seen tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would bless her, help her to raise her support, and uh, get over there and, and do the work that you've called her to do. Uh, thank you for the singing. Thank you for the special song we've heard. Now, Lord, I, I pray you would help me to be a blessing to your people. Uh, I, I'd love to be a blessing to them. But the only way I can do that is that you would bless me. And, and day by day, I realize uh, the reality of John fifteen five, When Jesus said, I'm divine... Now, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth much fruit. And then the very insightful thought, without me, you can do nothing. And Lord, I know that I'm just a branch. And apart from the vine, Jesus Christ, I can do nothing. But dear Lord, I thank you that as I abide in him and he abides in me, then I can accomplish whatever God has for me to do. So help me tonight to be a blessing to the people. I pray you would anoint my mind that I could think right. I pray you would anoint my tongue, my lips, that I could speak right. But most of all, dear Lord, I pray you would bless my heart that I would be right. And Lord, whatever happens tonight or any time in our life, we'll be very careful and very happy to bend our knees, bow our heads, and give you all the honor and all the glory. It's in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We beg these petitions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, I was preaching in Southern California. And uh, 
I preached the sermon on Sunday night and the pastor said to me, Brother says, that was an awesome message. Then we went out to In-N-Out. If you ever been to California, you have to go to In-N-Out. Great, great hamburgers. So we were eating at those hamburgers at In-N-Out. And he, he looked at me and he said, Brother says, this is an awesome hamburger. And I thought, yeah, something like my message. Amen. And uh, awesome is, is kind of a new word. Uh, for instance, it's not found in the King James Bible one time. Now, some of the later editions it is, but it, it really didn't come into play until the 1700s, okay? So, uh, rather awesome. And, and I thought, rather than the word awesome, uh, I like the word amazing. Yes. And uh, tonight, I'd like to preach to you about this subject. Amazing indeed. Amazing indeed. So first of all, let's look at God's amazing grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By the way, if you turn your Bibles over to 1 Timothy for just a minute, I'll show you a, a, a great example of the grace of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul kind of coming to the end of his ministry. And, and he looks back over it and he makes this statement. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for the counted me faithful putting me in the ministry. And by the way, I, I meet a lot of preachers today and, and I wonder if they can thank God for putting them in the ministry. I hear statements like this. If I had not been a preacher, I would have been a great football player. Probably not. Uh, if I had not been a preacher, I would have been probably executive of a large company. Again, probably not. But I can say with Paul, I thank God that he counted me faithful. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know what I would have been if he hadn't. Okay. Uh, probably worked in the foundry all my life, okay? But I thank God. And then notice what he said. I thank God. In verse 13. What, what were you before? Listen to it. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Wow. What a wonderful statement. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen to this next statement. And notice the verb. He didn't say, I was the chief of sinners. He said, of whom I am the chief of sinners. If we're not careful, we've been saved a long time, we'll get to thinking too well of ourselves. But Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. And the emphasis is, then he can save anyone. Years ago, we had our field conference for Europe in England. My wife and I went over early and visited several places. But uh, one of the places that we visited was the home of John Newton. The church where John Newton was at. Now, I preached in his pulpit. Nobody was there, but I preached a little bit anyway. And uh, after the several of us had been in there and looked around and so forth, we went out to the graveside of John Newton. And uh, we sang his song. Hey. Would you like to sing a verse with me? 
Now you sang real loud because you don't want me to hear. You don't hear. You know it. Just sing it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John Newton left home at the age of 16, got on a boat as a laborer there, and little by little he became a very, very wicked man. He became a slave trader. At one time, he became a slave himself. Yeah. And he did about anything that a man could do. But one night, in a great storm, boat was, the ship was tossing to and fro, and he happened to remember in his Belonging was a Bible that his mother gave him. Now he hadn't read it, but he got it out. He began to read. And that night, he trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He went back to England and uh, became one of the chief men in outlawing slavery in England. And a great preacher. Amazing grace of God. I was born in 1933, and the pastor's already told you how old I am. So you say, okay, he's pretty close to 90 years old. And, and I know that surprises a lot of you. You say, I thought he was 109, okay? <laughs> and I, I was born into abject poverty. I mean, back in 1933, we did not have an automobile. Uh, we did not have wall-to-wall -wall carpet. We didn't even have wall-to-wall -wall floors. I could look through cracks in, the, in my bedroom and, and see the ground. Uh, we didn't have any television. We didn't have any radio. We didn't have any telephone. I mean, we didn't have anything that you think is absolutely necessary today. My dad was a coal man. A good man all the way during the week. But every weekend he got drunk. And when he did... He was horrible. And he made home, made that out miserable for my mother and myself and everybody else. There were 11 of us. When I was 16 years old, geometry class one morning, Monday morning, my friend Bill Welch said to me, Don, we're going to have a Youth for Christ meeting. And he said, I'd really like you to be my guest. And I got to think, well, I don't have any money. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anything to do. So I'll, I'll go. And uh, then I got to thinking about it. Youth for Christ. Now youth, okay, I can do that. I'm 16 years old. And, and I, I, a lot of people say, but I don't believe you were ever young. But I've got some pictures to prove that I was. Youth for Christ. I'm not a Christian. I'd probably be out of place. Uh, my family's not a Christian. We never go to church. Never go to anything. I'd been to a few revival meetings. I did attend a vacation Bible school one time. And I think that's where God really got a hold of my heart. But I couldn't find a good excuse for not going. Monday morning, I woke up. Sunday, uh, Saturday morning, I woke up. And all I could think of was, I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. Uh, I don't have any reason to live. I need the Lord. And guess what? God put in my heart. I'm going to church tonight to get saved. I didn't know how to get saved. I didn't know anything about it. I knew I was lost. I knew there's heaven. I knew there was a hell, but I, I had no idea about 
the teachings and so forth. And uh, I went to church that night to get saved. I, I don't remember who preached. I don't remember what he preached. All I wanted him to do was quit preaching so I could get saved. And eventually, sure enough, he quit. All of us do eventually, amen? And I went forward and a Baptist preacher followed me down the aisle. Gifford Berry. He showed me some verses in the Bible and I knew it. You're a sinner. You die in your sin, you go to hell. But Jesus Christ died for you. If you'd call on the Lord and ask Him to save you, get saved. And that night on my knees, I simply trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I didn't see any lights going on. I didn't feel any liquid love running up down my spine. But when I got up on my knees that night, I had a peace in my heart that I'd never known before. I thought about since then. I went to church on my way to hell. I went home on my way to heaven. And I used to lay in bed and think, I know there's a hell. If I died in my sin, I'd go to hell. And I think, I hope I don't die tonight. But I went home that night, laying in bed. And I couldn't help but think, wow, if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. And I've never got over that. It gets better all the time. First, first thought I had was, this is wonderful. By the way, 73 years later, it is more wonderful. Amen. Amen. My next thought was, I wish my dad was saved. Yeah. I began to pray for my dad. Eventually, in a revival meeting, first time I ever saw him in church, after hearing a good gospel message, I just said to him, Papa, I've been praying for you for a long time. I'd sure like to see you saved. And he said, Son, I want to get saved. And I don't remember what happened after that, okay? But he got saved. Amazing grace. Hey, by the way, if you got saved at the age of six or eight or ten, it took just as much of the grace of God to save you as it did to save John Newton or, you know, uh, all of the wicked sinners you've thought about that's been saved, the Apostle Paul and so forth. Every salvation experience is a great, amazing grace. So let's look at the word amazing grace for just a minute. Here's a verse that you use in soul winning all the time. Romans 5. Look at the beginning with verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, look at that word, ungodly. Aren't you glad for that little prefix, un? If he'd have said Christ died for the godly, that wouldn't have been any of us. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, preadventure for a good man, some would even dare die. But God, and there it is again. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The amazing grace of God. Notice another verse that you use a lot of times. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd all die and go to hell. Yet I hear people make, make this statement every once in a while. All I want is what I deserve. No, you don't. <laughs> Mercy is God keeping from us what we deserve. But then the rest of the verse says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace is God giving us what we could never deserve. I never did. Never. The amazing grace of God. Now think with me about God's amazing grace and then God's amazing plan. Uh, after Christ had been crucified, 
and risen from the dead. Now, these ladies didn't know that at that time. But early Sunday morning after the crucifixion, some ladies got together and they decided that we are going to take all of these spices and so and we are going to anoint the body of Jesus. And by the way, uh, Pastor, you might can help me on this. I, I've often wondered why they thought they needed to anoint the body of Jesus, to prepare him for burial. You remember who took him down from the cross and provided a tomb for him? And he was a very wealthy man, Joseph of Arimathea. The other man was Nicodemus. And I am sure that they prepared the body of Jesus for the girl. Now, why in the world did these women think that they had to do it all over again? Now, I cannot find a theological reason for that. All I can figure out is they probably thought men can't do anything right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do it right. So, uh, they're on their way. And on the way to the tomb, the big problem is this. How are we going to roll away that big stone? And they got to the tomb. And to their surprise, the stone had been rolled away. And by the way, it wasn't rolled away so he could get out. Yes. Huh? I mean, he walked through a door. He could have walked through that. It was rolled away so we could see inside. That he wasn't there. I never will forget my only time to go to Israel. And we had this Jewish guy, you know. And he explained to us that there is a controversy. Now we were at the garden tomb. There's a controversy whether Jesus was entombed there or whether it was at another place. But he said, it doesn't make any difference. He's not in either one of them. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, every false religion in the world yes. serves a dead God. That's right. yes. But we serve a living Savior. Yeah. So when they got to the tomb, they saw the stone had been rolled away. And there was an angel that asked him the question. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And then he said to them, Go tell his disciples. Now think about this. Go tell his disciples to meet him where? Anybody know? Galilee. Go tell his disciples to meet him at Galilee. Okay. So these women take off. They're, they're going to where the disciples were and tell them about the risen Lord. And lo and behold, they meet Jesus. And, and they fall down and worship Him. And I thought, when we see Him face to face, we're going to fall down and worship Him. That's right, right. And we ought to spend some time every day just loving and worshiping Him. Amen. And Jesus said, hey, now listen, Go tell my brethren to meet me at Galilee. Remember? The angel said, tell his disciples to meet him at Galilee. Same group, go tell my brethren to meet me at Galilee. Now listen to Matthew, chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. Okay? Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There were some Baptists there, okay? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And by the way, if he had not said that, then verses... 18 and 19 would have been a literal impossibility. 
All authority. I have authority over nature. I have authority over the demons. I have authority over diseases. I mean, all is given to me in heaven and in earth. And if he had not said that, then world evangelization would have been a literal impossibility. Right. Right. But since he said that, and then you remember what he said, therefore, go ye, therefore, into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then the great promise, Lo, I am with you always, Amen. even to the end of the world. So here we see a great gathering. And I have a sermon that I preach. The world's greatest summit meeting. He was in Galilee. I mean, uh, remember at the end of... No, you don't remember, and I don't either. At World War II, World War I, they formed the League of Nations. And they announced to us, all wars are over. There'll never be another war. We've all got together. We've decided we're going to live in peace now. There's not been a single day since 1918 that there's not been a war somewhere. Yeah. Right. After World War II, and by the way, I do remember that. After World War II, 1945, they formed the United Nations. Yeah. And again, they informed all problems, all wars is over. Yeah. We're all going to get together. And the United Nations has not done one good thing. Yeah. Nothing happened. Wars, rumors of war, on. But think about it. At Galilee. Why did Jesus want them to meet him at Galilee? Because at Galilee, he was going to command them to evangelize the world. Yeah. And by the way, hey, we're his disciples here. And it is as much our responsibility in our generation as it was those first disciples. And aren't you glad they didn't fail? If they would have failed, we would have never heard the gospel. Think about it. God's great plan. I like to think about it like that. You you remember the, the very last words that Jesus spoke just before he died. It is what? Finished. In our English language, uh, that's three words. It is finished. In the Greek language, it's just one word. Take the less time. Somebody would make the last mortgage payment. They take a stamp and stamp it. Take the less time. It's finished. It's finished. An artist would finish a painting or a sculpture, put the last touches to it, and step back and say, Okay, it is finished. And Jesus said, the very last thing he said before he died on Calvary, it's finished. It's finished. I've done everything God sent me to do. I've done everything necessary for mankind to be saved. And by the way, he did. Uh, it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye in all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Every once in a while, I, somebody will say to me, well, my biggest problem is I, I just don't understand the Bible. Uh, let's see if you can misunderstand Mark sixteen fifteen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel yes. to every creature. Right. 
You'd have to be real dumb to misunderstand that. <laughs> I think it was Mark Twain that said, it's not what I don't understand in the Bible that bothers me. What bothers me is what I don't obey. Jesus said, all power is given to me. At the end of the Great Commission, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Let's have all the missionaries to stand for just a minute. The missionaries are here. All right, just, just tell us your name for just a minute, okay? Marcus Sabrina Holmes. And where? Nigeria. Nigeria, okay. Okay. Tim and Annie Davis, Myanmar. Okay. Oh, and my, my daughter's. Oh, that's your daughter. She's going to that. Yes. Good, Annie. All right. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, now go and do the best you can? And by the way, the best any of us could do would be a total failure. Right. But listen to what he said. Go, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You may be seated, okay? Hey, listen, folks. When we are involved in world evangelization, we are working with omnipotence. Yes. First Corinthians 3, 9 says this. For we are laborers together. Isn't it good? White Oak Baptist Church is working with a lot of other churches to get the gospel out around the world. But then he said, we are laborers together with God. In other words, we have the privilege of working with God. God's amazing grace. God's amazing plan. Hey, by the way, all over the world tonight, people are being saved. Lives are being changed. Churches are being established. You think of what happened after this Galilean summit meeting. Uh, If you read Revelation chapter 7, there's a great innumerable multitude of people already in heaven. Uh, churches have been established all over the world. Orphanages, hospitals. By the way, liberals don't start churches. Liberals don't build hospitals and orphanages. Sometimes they steal. Yeah. But Bible-believing Christians, these 2,000 plus years, have established churches all over the world. And there are already literally millions and millions of people in heaven. I guarantee you, Galilee was the greatest summit meeting in the history of mankind. Those early disciples went out and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Paul commanded it. The same that thou hast heard of many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And since the first century, it's just been one generation after another. One, and here we are today. God's amazing grace. God's amazing plan. And the last thing is this. God's, or our, you, me, our amazing opportunity. Uh, I I, I did not even dream that I would live until... When he stopped it. Yeah. But I, I thought, this is the greatest time to evangelize than any time in the history of mankind. Yes. Think about it. We have more open doors. And I know there's some closed doors. I was with a missionary just today that. In China. And, you know, you can't pass out a truck in China right, without risking the fact that you'd be uh, arrested and maybe killed. 
You can't put up a sign about a church or anything. And there's some closed doors. And, and I don't understand it. But I know this. God is sovereign even in the closed doors and the open doors. And even though you cannot have an open church service, you cannot advertise, you cannot pass out pamphlets, you cannot pass out tracts, and yet in China, someone has estimated that there are as many as 7 million Christians. I was in China with Brother Roman years ago. He lives in a big housing area. There were seven house churches in there. Mm. Hey, God is sovereign. Yes. And even in the closed, and I don't like to call them closed doors, but no, God, no door is closed. Mm. No right. country. They're just limited accessibility. Mm. It may be difficult, but thank God there's some ways to get into every country Right. In the world. We have more opportunities than anybody has ever had. Now here's something that burdens me. We have more trained later leaders. You think about all the good Bible college, and I'm not going to get in the mansion because I'd leave years out probably, and, and I, don't, I don't do that again. But and I, I remember. And that had been long ago, 20 years ago, that about 10% of all of the graduates from Bible colleges were going to the mission field. Yeah. Last year, and I looked at about 10 Bible colleges, and 2% of them was going to the mission field. You remember when Isaiah had that great vision of the thrice holy God. And he, he, he saw himself and he was cleansed from his sin. And then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I preach in a lot of Bible colleges. And I say, all of the red-blooded men in America, when they hear that, whom shall I send? And who will go for it? And they say, here's my sister. Send her. Come on. Yeah. Where are the men? You go to any Bible college in America, and I guarantee you, there'll be more women that are willing to go to the mission field than there are men. That's right. right. And by the way, thank God for what single women do. I've heard some churches had the dumb policy that they wouldn't support a woman missionary. You know, a single woman missionary. And I thought, well, you're going to take a big plug out of world evangelization right. and you begin to study the history of missions. Four percent of the people in the world have English as their mother tongue. Ninety-six percent of all the preaching is done in English. Yeah. This is not a pretty picture. And four percent of the preachers of the world are preaching to ninety-six percent of the people. Yeah. That was the statistic when I began preach mission conferences in 1976. And it's even worse today. Last year, year before last, Baptist International Mission set a all-time record for mission giving. The last two years, we've had fewer missionaries than any period of two years in the history of behind us. What, what's happening? What's happening? We will give you our money, but not our children, not our grandchildren, not myself. Something's wrong with that, is it not? Isn't it about time somebody said, Here am I, send me? 
By the way, that's a pretty generic call. God didn't say, Isaiah, could I send you? Isaiah, would you go? No, no. He just said, whom shall I send? Whom will go for? Isaiah said, how about me, Lord? Years ago, I was with a young preacher. Time after time, he made this statement. Brother said, I'd give anything in the world if I could be a missionary. I would love to go to the mission field. So one day, we were eating lunch together, and he started that again. And uh, I said, you, you really want to go to the mission field? Yeah. I'd love to be a missionary. I said, okay. Uh, why don't you resign your church? Find a place that really needs the gospel. And by the way, that wouldn't be hard to do. I mean, there are cities after cities after cities and all over the world that have no gospel witness whatsoever. Now, I didn't say they don't have a Bible-believing, fundamental, independent Baptist church, non-charismatic, King James. No, I didn't, I didn't say that. And by the way, I'm all those, okay? They said there's no gospel witness Many times I fly into a capital city of some country. The missionary picks me up. And we maybe go 40, 50, maybe 100 miles from there. And we go through town after town after town. And it's like a broken earth. As far as I know, there's no gospel witness here. So I said that young man, just pick out a good mission field. Uh, resign your church, uh, start deputation, and you go over there, and you get people saved, and you start churches, and you train leaders, and even if God didn't call you, He'd probably forgive you. Yeah. Could I suggest there's probably people sitting in White Oak Baptist Church tonight that if you would be willing to go, God would say, go and tell his people. Amen. That's what he told Isaiah. How about me, Lord? Okay. Go and tell these people. More trained leaders than any other time in the history of fundamentalism. And yet you're a mission. Our great, our amazing opportunity. More technology when I went to Japan, 1965, a three-minute phone call cost $25. I had $500 a month support. Four years, we did not make one phone call back to America. And now, I can not only talk to somebody, but I can get on my phone and I can see people all over the world. We have technology. Hey, by the way, we have more money. Correct. And we have more people to preach to. November the 15th last year, the world's population reached 8 billion people. And every day, today, tomorrow, the next day, at least 275,000 people die. You say, so what? Every one of them either went to heaven or hell. There's no in-between place. Every one of them. And many of them died without ever hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. More people to preach to. Three simple questions. Listen carefully. What are you doing personally? Take it personally. You say, well, I'm a member of White Oak Baptist Church, and this is what we're doing. Thank God for the corporate effort of what you're doing. But wait a minute. Let's take it personally tonight. Just point to yourself. What am I doing in world evangelization? For instance, Am I evangelizing where I am? Uh, am I tithing to my church? Am I giving the faith promise? 
Am I really giving what God wants me to give or just some figure I come up with? Am I praying for the evangelization of the world? I, I challenge people all the time. Would you spend five minutes a day praying for your missionaries and praying for the fields for their mission, for their ministry? You say, well, that would be very little. Now, I, I'm not going to... I've learned better. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you spend at least five minutes a day praying for missionaries and praying for missionaries. But if we were all honest. We probably, and think about it. We have access to Almighty God. For we have not a high priest which can not be touched with the feeding of our infirmity. But is in all manner tempted as we are. And yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Are you giving? Are you going? Are you praying? Question number two. Question number one. What are you doing? Question number two. What are you willing to do? You say, well, I'm not doing this, but I'm willing. What are you willing to do? Question number three. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Whatsoever thy hands find to do, do it with thy might. Do it now. Give your all. What are you waiting for? Are you praying? Are you giving? Are you going? Hey, I've got probably two or three hundred mission messages, but they all blend down to that one thing. Am I giving? Am I going? It doesn't mean you're going to some foreign field, but you ought to go somewhere. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Everybody ought to be going. Somewhere. Somewhere. Might be next, next room in your house. To some loved one. Maybe a neighbor next door. Uh, it may be a neighbor across town. Or maybe somebody around the world. But everybody ought to be going somewhere. And everybody ought to be giving. Paul, in teaching about faith promise giving, said this Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so they can give. Wouldn't it be good when you take your faith promise commitment this year that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in White Oak Baptist Church made a commitment to give something every week? Now, if you're already giving, then you ought to increase your giving this year. I heard about faith promise in 1968. I've been giving ever since then. And every year since 1968, I have raised the amount I give each week. Every man. And by the way, that don't mean just the males. Okay. Sometimes you say, the Bible says, every man according to his purpose in our so let him give. And the women all say, amen, let the men give. <laughs> but it's not talking about gender. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. What are you winning? Or what are you doing? For world evangelization. You think about it. Aren't you glad? I'm, I'm glad Bill Welch invited me to go to Christ meeting. Yes. He didn't give me a try. He didn't try to win me the Lord. All he did was just invite me to go. But I'm glad he did. Amen. And since somebody told you, it is my time that we got the message. 
that we all ought to be telling somebody out how to get to heaven. Let's bow our heads for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let me ask you just a couple of simple questions. Number one, how many of you could say with me tonight by the uplifted hand, Brother Sis, there's a lot of things I don't know, a lot of things I don't understand. But one thing I know for sure, there was a time and a place in my life when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And if I were to die this very moment, I have Bible reasons for knowing that I'm saved and going to heaven. I know that I'm saved and going to heaven. And by the way, you can know that. These things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. If that's your testimony, lift your hands real high. Would you leave them up for just a minute? And while you have your hands lifted, just, just thank God for whoever told you, whoever influenced you to be a Christian. And thank God for His amazing grace. You may put your hands down. I, I wonder if there's a man or a woman or a boy or a girl tonight. You'd say, Brother says, I, I don't know for sure that I'm saved and going to heaven. Now you ought to think, I'm sure I don't want to die and go to hell. I'd like to know that all my sins are forgiven, that Jesus is my Savior, that God is my Father, and that I would spend eternity in heaven. Now I might call your name. I wouldn't know it. I'll not embarrass you in any way whatsoever. But if you would lift your hand tonight, just say, Preacher, pray for me. I'd like to know that I'm saved and going to heaven. Uh, would you just lift your hand and, and let me pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. But I would like to pray for you. Anybody like that tonight? Pray for me, Brother Sid. I couldn't lift my hand. But I'd like to know I'm saved and going to heaven. I wonder if there are Christians here tonight. You say, I know I'm saved and going to heaven. But God is dealing with my heart about some commitments, some decisions I need to make. Maybe about your witnessing. Uh, maybe about your willingness to go. Maybe about your giving or your praying. But you say tonight, God has dealt with my heart. There's some decisions I need to make. Pray for me. Anybody like that tonight? God has dealt with my heart. God bless you.